Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Gwen Shayetta, and welcome to another episode of Life on Your Terms. I am so absolutely thrilled to have Cliff Ravenscraft on our show today. He is first and foremost a podcast producer who has produced more than 30 of his own podcast shows with over 3,600 episodes devoted to business, technology, entertainment, family, and faith. Cliff also has launched the podcast Answer Man, which many of you may know him from that. He has helped thousands of individuals and organizations launch a podcast through one-on-one coaching, his podcasting A to Z online group coaching, and his digital training tutorials. But today, we're going to not be talking so much about podcasts. We are going to uncover and delve deep into his backstory and what led him to walk away from a huge opportunity that many of us would die for to delve into the podcast world. He was part of a family-owned insurance business. He had a job that was paying him very handsomely. He could never get fired from, and at one point, this entire business would be his own. But he decided to listen to his inner compass, which was yelling at him loud and clear, to use his own inner voice to reach other people push all of that aside. And there were some scary moments. It it wasn't all easy. He's going to share with us about the time that he had to borrow from his 401k, uh, the times that he and his wife, you know, would, would be in tears. But I think in the end, you'll find he would say it was worth it. So we're going to jump into all of that, and he's going to reveal just how he made that transition in today's interview. So let's get started. Cliff, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. And how is your day going so far? My day is going absolutely amazing according to plan. And I am so delighted and honored to be here. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show. And I, I want to give our listeners just a little bit of background about how this came to be. Um, if, as you recall, we met at the Podcast Movement Conference uh, in Chicago. And I went to your, your session not with the intention of I'm going to track that guy down and and try to get him to be an interviewee on my show, but I truly went to that session um, to listen and to learn from you and all that uh, you have gleaned and could share from the the podcasting perspective, which was amazing. I took away so much information uh, and was truly inspired from that perspective. But as I listened to you, and you you told a little bit of the the backstory um, about how you came into podcasting, that you were doing something completely different with your life uh, a number of years ago, and I was so inspired by that. I was I was just blown away by your your personal journey. And I, I was thinking about that, and I thought, I just, I have to interview Cliff from a very different perspective. Um, you know, I, I have this theory that people who have created their life on their own terms, their life by design, um, they kind of go through a process. Share a little bit of that, of that story for people who don't know who you are and, and where you were headed before your podcast business, what were you doing? What was your job? What path were you going down? Well, let's see. When I first got married, I was just wrapping up a young adult lifestyle of jumping from one job to the next. But when I finally got married in 1996, my 
mom and dad said, do you want to come work for the family business? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and they, and so let me just tell you that the family business is an insurance agency that's been in the family since 1935. My stepdad took it over from his dad. And the expectation in their mind was that, you know, this would be an opportunity for them to hand this business down to myself and my siblings. So... So in 1996, they asked me, do you want to come work for the office? And I said, no. They said, well, we, here's the deal. We, we don't want you to come in to do insurance. We want you to come in to set up computers. And I'm like, okay, now you piqued my interest. <laughs> uh, they, they needed this agency management system uh, software installed. They had no idea how to do this thing called computer networking. And, and they knew that I was into computers. And so they said, will you come in and set this up? I said, well, I'll come work for you as long as you, on two conditions. And, and the, the first condition was that you'll never ask me or force me to sell insurance. I, do, I have zero desire to sell insurance. And the second thing was, and this is going to be an important part of, I think, the overall story for people to know. Um, also in 1996, I felt a call to full-time Christian ministry. And at the time, the, the church that I was part of convinced me that that meant that you know, the, the path that I would be on, that God was calling on, me on, towards was to be a pastor of a church at some point down the road. Right. And so I told my mom and dad, I said, you guys know how much money I could make here. And, and as the second condition is that no matter how much or how little I get paid, if I'm offered an opportunity to pastor a church full-time, I'm leaving. And so they were cool with that. But what happened was after about a year and a half, the computer system was all up and running. I, I mean, everything was running smoothly. And I'm nothing more than an over-glorified file clerk. I'm filing things. And I'm like, okay, there's better things to do in my life than file. Maybe making good money as a file clerk, right? I, I, was, ma- I was making really good money as, at the time as a file clerk. But here's what was going on. I was the only person in the office who really knew the inside and out, the ins and outs of all this computer software. Uh, before, my, I guess my dad was quoting things out of manuals with calculators. I have no idea how they did it before. <laughs> But I knew how to do it all inside of this computer software, and it was kicking things out. I mean, he, here's the situation. My dad, a- after hiring me and bringing me to the agency, I think the overall profitability of the agency like increased by three or four times because I was able to generate five quotes in the same amount of time that it would take him to do one quote. Wow. And so he, he would give me all this information about these people who are calling on the telephone saying, I need insurance for this house I'm buying or I need insurance for this car I just purchased. And so he would give me all of their information on a, on a piece of paper, a, a form that I had built for him. And then he would hand it to me and I would put all that stuff into the computer and I would print out the rates and I would hand it to him. And this printout had all the different options and stuff like that. And so these people would be asking questions and every question they would ask him were, uh, he, instead of having to recalculate things, it was every single option, every single scenario was all on this printout that I had just pulled off the printer for him. And he's giving these quotes out over the phone. He goes, you know, Cliff, if y- you're pretty much doing all the work here. If you went and got your license, I could pay you $25 or $50 or I can't remember what it was. It was, it, it was enough to get my, pique my interest. Yeah, I, could, I could give you a finder's fee or whatever for every single quote that you did you just have people come in and sign the application that's it that's all you have to do 
and I'll give you commission on top of that. And then the, when I heard what the commission was, I'm like, okay, I'm in. Easy money, so I went, and, it's your, and it could be your whole business at one point in your life. People would die for an opportunity like that. Exactly. So what happened was I, I ended up getting my life, or I actually ended up getting my property casualty, which is auto, home, and commercial insurance uh, license. And then I got my life and health insurance license. And the next thing you know, it you know, ele- it's eleven years later, and I am you know making almost a hundred thousand dollars a year, plus the most amazing benefits. And it you know, I just have this cushy job that is family run. There's no way I'm ever going to get fired from my mom and dad. Right. That's an impossibility. Uh, there were times I would pray for it, but that that just wasn't going to happen. And the thing is, though, is it. My heart wasn't there completely. I, it was something that I just felt like it was the responsible thing to do. So that was the career path that I was on. And if I had not left when I did, if I had not left, this year, 2016, is the year that my dad finally sold the business to somebody else. So this is the year that I would own the insurance agency and I would be making probably about $1.5 million a year right now in personal income guarantee. Wow. Do you ever calculate that? Do you, do you ever say to yourself, oh, I, I, I should have stayed. I mean, the money was no. so great. I should have stayed. No, because to be honest with you, I might have actually either committed suicide or died of a heart attack from stress and anxiety if I would have stayed. So, and what, I'm just curious. So what, I mean, we're going to, you know, we'll get deeper into where you went, but I mean, what was missing? What would, I mean, because a lot of people would say, what's the problem? You're never going to get fired. You're making a ton of money. You could be in charge. I mean, you know, what really, what was missing? Well, there are a couple things. First and foremost is that it was, I, I learned and I discovered over time that it wasn't my calling in life to sell insurance. It, it just simply wasn't what I'm created on this earth to do. Uh, there, there's something deeper inside of me that, that wants to do more and, uh, it, it basically happened when I started a podcast, yeah, and I started a podcast as a hobby because my job was quite stressful at times. It, it, we're working in a family-run insurance agency. I love my mom and dad. I love my sister. The, we had a family dynamic that was interesting, to say the least. And the the problem that we had was that we couldn't keep employees for the life of us, and so we would hire people and you know somebody in our family would have a personal conflict with that employee, no matter how awesome they were and If that person in our family had a problem with that employee, that employee had to go right. no matter what it just had that employee had to go and this went on for the entire eleven years that I was there and by the time I left the business um, uh, by the time I left the business. We had an insurance agency that the actual gross revenue of the agency is the equivalent of an agency that is run with about a 10 to 15 person staff. And it was myself, my mom, and my, it was my mom, my dad, myself, and my sister. It was the four of us. And we were, oh, I I was doing more than three jobs. I, I was doing like five jobs. It was insane. And so I, I was stressed out all the time. I'm paid extremely well, right? But I'm, but I'm a struck out a lot, and of course, you know, customers are if they are, if they're not happy, you know, it, it not the other thing is I struggled with people wanting to buy products and services that they felt like they didn't need. Um, you know, I I knew that there were some cases where I was helping people. You know, a client would have a fire, and their house, you know, is being rebuilt because of something that I've sold them. That was that was nice. 
Um, it was never a, a, a pleasant experience to have somebody who I sold a life insurance policy to have their wife come in and tell us that their husband had died. But, you know, I saw the value in what I was doing when I was able to deliver, a, you know, a half a million dollar check to them or, or set up a, 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 a steady stream of income for them for the next 10 to 15 years after that experience. So I, I saw the value in what I was doing, but I always struggled with the people who, who said, you know, I'm so darn angry with you right now. And they would cuss me out over the telephone uh, because their, in, their car insurance rates went up $75 every six months. And, exactly. and, and they're like, I've never had an insurance. I've never had a claim. I said, well, what you don't understand is that a lot of other people did have claims. And, <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't and it's all, you guys are all part of the same Bucket. Well, and I'm hearing so many important things as you're talking, Cliff. I mean, you know, one was that, you know, is about value. And that seems to be a core value of yours is that whatever you're doing, it's not good enough just to be selling something. You want to provide value to people. And you said something even just a, even earlier that, that really ties in to the first L in this theory that I have, which is about listening. So the first of the five L's is, is listening. And you said, when I said, why isn't that good enough? You said it, it wasn't your kind of deeper calling. So there was something inside of you. There was some, some voice, something nagging you. And, and I, you know, sometimes people dismiss that. Sometimes people listen to it. And, and you obviously listen, but I'm curious because I think it's so important for people to hear about this, to drill down on this a little bit. When you, when you had said there was a calling or something deeper, a lot of people dismiss that voice. I mean, what, what did you hear? Who, where did that come from? Who's, who's speaking to you well, internally? Like, describe that. So here's the thing. I, I, again, I thought that everything was perfectly fine, but... The- Due to the stress, I was always looking to my hobbies to kind of, you know, just to blow off steam and relax and, and things of that nature. And I'm, I'm a pretty much of a geek and an early adopter to technology. And I, was, I had discovered podcasting. My wife was watching this TV show Lost, and I couldn't understand why until I sat down on the couch during the final three episodes of the first season. And I got totally hooked. And I... I we decided to create a podcast about the TV show Lost, not for any other purpose other than just to have fun as a hobby. And so we fired up a microphone and some software, and we started recording our thoughts about the TV show Lost, sharing our theories and all kinds of other things. And again, this was just pure hobby. It was just something to do for fun on the side. I was a diehard fan of the mystery and the storytelling in the show and all the hidden stuff that they were doing on the internet that people didn't know about. And people in my local geographic area, they didn't care too much about it. Uh, they, some of them watched the show, but they were casual viewers. So I couldn't find anybody that would give me more than 15 minutes a week of time to talk about all the awesome stuff that I spent hours learning about this awesome episode we just had this week. Right. So I created a podcast with my wife and we, we developed an audience by the third episode, and not everybody does this, by the way. This is not typical results. But by the third episode, we had 17,000 subscribers. And over the course of a few months, we actually built an audience of 6,000 people around the world who all of a sudden were listening to our voice. Not something I expected. <laughs> so, but it ties into, if I think about it, when you go back to what you were saying about your, your, what you said your parents, that you had your two conditions, and one of them being, I mean, you, you like to speak. You said you would go be a full-time 
preacher. So, you know, this, it kind of ties into that um, connecting with people and podcasting is a great way to, to be able to have relationships um, with people. So it was sort of, maybe you weren't thinking that at the time, but it it, it isn't. And I can tell you how the listening came in. So, so now that I've given you that backdrop, so here's what happened. The TV show law started to have, they had episodes like Tabula Rasa was the title (laughs) of an episode. And the whole thing was starting over having a clean slate. So my wife and I got to talk about how we've had things in our lives and where we've intentionally drew a line in the sand and we're just like, okay, forget the past. We're starting over with a clean slate. There is an episode called All Good Cowboys Have Daddy Issues. You know, I have my own daddy issues. My wife has daddy issues. We, we got to, we just shared authentically about our own daddy issues. This, sh- this TV show went on for six years and we had all of these different topics. We could talk about marriage. We could talk about parenting. We could talk about uh, finances. All of these different things. And people started to write us and say, hey, I, I want to, you know, I just, I got your email address. I hope you don't mind me sending you this email and I hope this isn't offensive. But I listen to your show and I get the strange sensation that you and your wife are Christians. Am I right? And I would write back to that person via email and I'd say, yeah, you're right. And then this person, this, I, I'm specifically remembering one email that if I would have printed it out at the time, it would have taken about five to six pages. And this person just poured out their life experience. And especially when it relates to their struggle of faith, they were having a, a crisis of faith in that moment of their lives. And, and th- what happened was I was able to speak to that person and build a relationship with them. We became friends over time. And this went on and on and on. People were starting to say, hey, I heard you and your wife talking about becoming debt-free and somebody named Dave Ramsey. Can you tell me more about that? And we started getting all of these questions, and it was taking me hours and hours and hours. I mean, you got to imagine, we had 60,000 people listening to this podcast. Wow. So I was, get, I was getting 50 to 100 emails every single day just a couple months into this. And so I, I decided to launch a second podcast where we would start answering questions that were frequently coming in that had nothing to do with the TV show Lost. We had people who wanted, it was questions about faith, questions about parenting, questions about marriage. We had people writing us in to say, gosh, because of the content that you're sharing, I have now given my life to Christ. Because of the content that you're sharing, my wife and I are now debt-free. Because of the content that you're sharing, I've made a decision to go back to my wife and kids. I had an wow. affair a couple of years ago. I, people's lives are being changed. I have three emails, or actually three, two emails, one written letter printed out here in my office, three different human beings who have told us that they chose not to commit suicide because they were encouraged and inspired to move forward and, and, and to, to carry on with their life as a result of being encouraged and inspired by our podcast and the community that we've built online. Well, I mean, one we've of, had people... Go ahead. We've had, we've, we've had people who actually came to uh, in-person meetups. We used to invite people to come and watch the TV show, uh, like the season premiere episodes and the season finale episodes. We've had people come to our meetups who... From all over the planet, I mean literally from the Netherlands, from, from all over every state in the United States, we've had people come and watch the TV show with us. There are people today who met at our meetups who are married today. 
I mean, that's so, amazing. You, you've like touched on so many things and, and there's so many points here, Cliff, that I, I think are important for people to hear. I mean, one is, you know, going back to that first L um, in the listening. I mean, part of what I hear is just go forward. I mean, when you, you had this deep down sense that you were put on this earth for the purpose of helping others through some kind of ministry, but you didn't have it fully articulated and what that would look like, but you just, you moved toward that. And who knew that it would come out or, you know, out of a, a, a podcast around the show Lost would, would have some impact. So I guess if we, if we're to look at lessons learned or takeaways, one thing is just, you don't have to have it all figured out. If you, if you feel a calling, whatever that is, listen to that and sort of move in that direction. And I I sort of refer to it as the universe or God, if you want to refer to it that way, but it will sort of unfold before you. You don't have to have every detail figured out of what that purpose will look like. Is would you agree with that? That's right. Yeah. For me, it was, it was, I, I did not know where this would lead. All I knew is that I had a passion to do something and I just went out and did it. I, I kind of fell into what I found and finally discovered. It was through podcasting that I discovered what ultimately my true calling in life is. Right. And let me let me go back and rewind the tapes even a little bit more because I, I you know, I, I'd be curious. I'm going to test this question out with you. I, you know, what I find is if I was to ask you to kind of describe, you know, what you were like as as a as a young person, I mean, even going back to eight or nine years old, you know, I, I have this line that I share with people that it's like we spend a lot of our time in life becoming who we already are. And so I would venture, I'm going to put it out there, I would venture if you were to look at yourself when you were maybe eight, nine years old, what were you like? I mean, were you sort of a minister? If you look at some of the qualities that you had, how you saw the world, how you interacted with people, um, being having a voice. I mean, was some of was some of that there in some form? It was def- I, it definitely, and and I can tell you right now, I'm definitely going to solidify your feelings on about this because there are two things that I can tell you. First and foremost. The the issue of faith was always a prominent issue for me. I and. I was a non-Catholic in a Catholic school for seven years, so I was one of two students in an entire Catholic school that was not Catholic, and I so <laughs> I, I, was, I was attending uh, the religion classes, and I was attending math every single Friday. I was not allowed to participate in First Communion, nor confession, uh, so because I was not a professed Catholic, converted Catholic, I, I could not participate. But at the same time, on the weekends, I lived in a neighborhood, and my mom and dad allowed me to go to Sunday school and vacation Bible school with any neighborhood kids that I wanted to go to school to, to those functions with. So I had, growing up, as I was attending these different, or this school, this Catholic school, I was attending uh, Sunday school, vacation Bible school classes from the Nazarene Church, the Baptist Church, the Wesleyan Church, the Pentecostal Church. I had every single background you could possibly imagine, at least you know from the Christian background. So obviously that's that was a, a, a huge part of my upbringing. It's just my exposure to a lot of different aspects of of people's faith and the Christian faith, anyway. So and some people could run away from that and say, "Oh my gosh, I don't I don't want to have anything to do with it." But you you were drawn to that. There was something about well, you and your. Person- I was. I was drawn to this understanding of who God is and pursuing that. I, I, I definitely have, have 
more than once been turned off by the religious approach to all of it mm-hmm. and the institutional side of things uh, and, and the doctrine and the, you know, the, the idea or the mentality that we have all the answers and the other one, all the other people are wrong. So it, it gave me a, a really awesome perspective from that point of view. I didn't, I've never actually been in a position where I believe that I'm a part of a church that understands God more than anyone else. So I'm glad that I, I was able to break free from that. But, but so, so faith has always, that relationship with God, that faith, pursuing who God is and how do I relate to him, um, that, that's always been a part of my life. But it, here's an interesting thing, and I think this is going to blow your mind because I know you didn't know this about me. But when I was about eight or nine years old, my mom, for whatever reason, uh, purchased a CB radio, Citizens Band radio. <laughs> and it was a, ra- a Radio Shack realistic base station. And she, I guess her... My, my aunt would, you know, get on there and they would talk to truck drivers and stuff like that or whatever. But when I discovered this thing that I could actually have a microphone and I could broadcast my voice and talk to people out there uh, that weren't in my physical location, this was the most incredible thing ever. I mean, this is it's like, whoa. And so I, I, I got on there and I had my own handle, which is your nickname on, on, the, on the CB. And I would broadcast out. And, of course, eventually there was one point in time I live in northern Kentucky, which is right across the river from Cincinnati, Ohio. And there's this area called Price Hill. And there was all these people, this entire community of people who had CB radios. And this is how we communicated. And we, there was no such thing as cell phones or anything back at that time. Or at least if there was, they, they, were, they were the earliest, earliest ones. But um, so here I am. And I'm doing something that I, at the time, did know was illegal. But I would broadcast my own radio show to Price Hill once a week, every Tuesday night. Come on here for one hour. I am going to broadcast my own radio show. And I would take in calls and I would answer questions and, and stuff like that. But I, I basically took over an entire station, a channel on the CB radio, which is, is quite illegal. But, uh, <laughs> but that, that, was, that was a part of something that I did. And then when we get into the computer days, before there was the quote-unquote internet that we have today, I remember the very first modems, this thing called a 300-baud modem. And when I learned that I could actually find a way to connect my computer to a telephone and it can dial into somebody else's computer that is running software that allows me to uh, log into their computer, leave messages inside of this online forum, and then let somebody else hang up so somebody else can dial in, and then they can have messages, leave messages, and I could then log in later and then reply back to them. I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't just Cincinnati. I'm talking to people <laughs> in Australia. I mean, I'm Whoa. just listening. I can't see your face, Cliff, but your energy, and I mean, you just, you just made my point. You just made my point that you naturally, you found a way, you know, uh, the universe sort of connects us to our, our purpose. I mean, you're just, your, your voice, you, you sound so excited retelling the story of when you were eight or nine years old. And I didn't know that about you. It almost sounds like we set that up, right? I did not know that about you, but I, I just, I had an inkling that this, this was not something that just sort of came out of nowhere to be a minister, to be a podcaster, but it, it goes, it goes back deeply. And I, and I think what's sad sometimes, and that's why I'm so fascinated by these, 
these five L's and the, the listening and this idea of becoming who you already are, not who you can be, but becoming who you already are, because I believe that that, that person, that purpose is, is already, is already deep inside all of us. And it's a matter of getting the layers out of the way, getting society's values out of our way. And in your case, you know, you had this amazing opportunity with a family, you were handed, you know, the, the golden platter, but your, your purpose that was so deep inside of you was, was even stronger than that, was stronger than here's a business, here's a big salary, here's a, a title. I mean, that's, that says so much that, that you, that wasn't even enough to overshadow this deep purpose that was, that was inside of you. And there was no guarantee that you were going to be successful in podcasting or ministry. I mean, here you had, and I believe you said you were already married. So you're, you're married, you have responsibilities and somehow, some way you, you listened to that voice. You, what you, you already jumped into my second L, which is love, you know, which is all about finding something you love and the passion and the next piece, and I, I'd love to segue to this because people say, oh, that's well and great. You know, did your dad, did your dad give you a salary for the next five years while you, you know, tried to be successful in podcasting? Because a lot of people would say, there's all of these layers. You know, when we decide to venture into new territory, especially something entrepreneurial that's not typical, um, we may say, I have responsibilities, I have a mortgage, I have kids to feed. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. It's too much to risk. But somehow, some way, you peeled back those layers, plowed through those la- layers. So I'm, I'm curious. Let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, what were some of your fears? And I know you, you kind of put your toe in as a hobby. So that, that, you know, that was nice and that gave you some sense of success. But what were, once you made the big leap to, to, you know, to do this, what were some of the fears, beliefs, reality that you had to kind of plow through to let go of the insurance business? Sure. So it was, it was actually one year into podcasting as a hobby that I started to get the inkling, the idea, that this little seed of a dream that said, wouldn't it be cool if I could do this full time as a career? I mean, it, 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 was, it was about a year into it before I even, even allowed myself to dare to think the thought out yeah. loud and to, to share it with anyone. So uh, w- one of the things that – well, first we'll talk about the fears, and, the, and then we can talk about what I did and how I transitioned. Uh, so the fears were, number one, that's, that's crazy. That's a pop dream. That, that would be the most irresponsible thing on earth to do. Gosh, don't you know how many people out there who are losing their job on a consistent basis? Job security is is hard to come by. There are people out there. I mean, you have a, a stay-at-home mom, a wife, a stay-at-home wife who is a stay-at-home mom to three young kids. Mm. You are the sole income earner for our family. How can you possibly think of leaving this extremely high paying. I mean, I, when it came to people that I went to high school with or went to college with, I make more money than almost anyone I knew at the time. And to think that I would even dream of leaving that for podcasting? Seriously? That, what, what an irresponsible thought to even have. I mean, if you want, but, might have even said, what's podcasting, right? It, I mean, exactly. Everybody well, knows everybody what insurance is. <laughs> 
Exactly. So, so that was the first thing that came to my mind. The other thing is, is that I, I struggled with this idea of the mindset about work. I, I, I had to work. First of all, my, my dad, my stepdad is pretty much my dad. He's been my dad since I was four or five years old. So, but my dad has this work ethic. I mean, he's a workaholic and I picked it up from him. And in, in, in some cases, I would say it's a detriment. I, it, it's something that I deal with. But at other times, I'm very proud of the fact of the work ethic that I have. But I picked this up from him, and the one thing that I don't think my dad ever taught me, but one thing that I came away from in my experience growing up is that I had this mindset about work that you get paid to do something that, and, and to do things that are hard to do. And the harder or more difficult or the more challenging the career, the more money you make. And I, I, so I, I'm just thinking, you know, people don't get paid to do things they love. People don't get paid to do hobbies. People get paid real money. If you want to make real money in this world, you have to do something challenging. You have to do something hard. That's a perfect example of one of society's or an external value that you picked up and internalized. And yeah, and that was driving, driving you. I mean, you had to undo that belief. And we all have this sort of package of beliefs that we may have to work through and undo it first become aware of so you be i mean that was that was a that was a huge thing that you had to undo exactly and so and not only that but there was the fact that you know i've been an employee all my life i've always only ever received a paycheck from a company who makes all of the decisions who who takes care of all of the overhead who takes care all the business decisions that go with running a business i just take a paycheck some, and, and the thing is, I'm certain that over my time of, uh, in all my lifetime as, a, as, a, as an employee, I am certain that I worked many times for people who paid me a paycheck even when the business didn't generate enough income to pay for that paycheck. That, that's something that, quite honestly, until I became a business owner, I never even thought about that. Right. Right. So... So, so there were all, there were many other fears and anxieties. I don't have any experience. This is irresponsible. Well, what about you know, your who wife? Gets... Was she, were you, you know, were you looking just saying I? I mean, was she saying so, this is too big a risk, or your father was saying stepfather saying you can't quit? I mean, so this is the interesting thing. So, how did I actually peel through those those layers that you call them? So, here's what I want to tell you. I, I created now since December 2005. I've done over 30 different podcast episodes or 30 different podcast shows over three. 1,600 podcast episodes. Now, one pod, I, I launched another podcast called Pursuing a Balanced Life. And this podcast ended up having, I think, like 680 episodes. But it was audio journal. And, and I literally published an online audio journal all the way back to my days of when I was podcasting as a hobby. And I'll, I can't remember the exact episode, but the episode when I first said the words out loud, guys, I'm going to share something crazy with you. I know it's, the, it's a big pipe dream. I know it'll never happen. I know it's a s- stupid thing, but I just have this recurring thought. Wouldn't it be great if I could do podcasting full-time as a career? I know that's stupid. You don't have to email me and tell me how stupid and irresponsible it is because I know. But guys, I can't get this thought out of my head. And I just wanted to share it with you. And I'm, I'm literally, I'm holding a digital audio recorder walking outside sharing my thoughts as they're coming. This isn't pre-rehearsed or anything like that. No outline. I literally just used to go out walking through my neighborhood and just doing mind dumps, uh, just telling people what's going through my mind. And so what happened was people said, Cliff, that's not stupid. 
And I had all these people who were entrepreneurs, people who were listening to my podcast, who owned their own businesses. And they're like, Cliff, you could do this. Here's three different ways you could create. Just by listening to you, your area of expertise and technology, you could teach people how to do this. You have a skill of communication. You have an ability to share your passion. You, you have so many different ways you could make money. And so every single time somebody emailed me and told me a way that this is not a stupid idea, I would go home and I'd tell my wife that. And people would, I had entrepreneurs, very successful entrepreneurs, Cliff, I'd love to get on a phone call with you. I'd love to just talk to you an hour for an hour and just share with you some ideas of things you could do. And so people would get on the phone with me. I mean, very successful people for free giving me advice on things that I could do. And I kept telling my wife this. And so what happened was, you know, I, I got faced with this thing. It's, if money were no object, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And, and I literally, th- th- there was no question to what the answer. I would create content that entertains, educates, encourages, and inspires other people around the world to help them make their lives better. That's what I would do if money were no object. But the thing is, money is an object. So exactly. how do I do how do I do this? So well, hey, all let me of a sudden these people you, are, hold that hold that thought for one second, Cliff, because there's two I mean just two things. One of the things the takeaways that I hear you saying is you have to make that internal voice external you know you you've had this for years you knew what your what your purpose and your fulfillment but it seems like people are afraid they're like afraid hey i'm gonna get shamed people are gonna think it's stupid but until you actually say it out loud you you can't start owning it and and it sounds like once you actually put it out there you had at least as many people on the positive side saying you can do this and it does make sense versus the people who had their own fears who were trying to hold you back and say it's a bad idea. But but that saying it out loud, I mean, that just sound that seems like a huge necessary step in the process. Wouldn't you say you have to you have to put it out there. You can't keep it as your your magical secret inside your head. It's never going to go anywhere. I absolutely, hands down, agree with you 100%. With the caveat, I will say that not everyone, unfortunately, is as blessed as I was to have the community that I had built with such a large audience of positive people. So I, I do want to say that I do believe you need to in, you need to externalize this. You need to get those thoughts out of your head and start having conversations with other people. But you have to choose those people wisely. Yes. You you. It, you cannot just talk to your mom and dad if your mom and dad have no experience of doing anything different than what they've been the path that you're on some of your friends who are employees that have no experience beyond what some of your coworkers these are not sometimes the best people to have these conversations with it's kind of like is i don't know what that metaphor is is it is it crabs that are in a boiling pot or whatever i know put them in there and exactly any one of them can everybody knows this any one of them could climb out at any time but if one climbs out every the other ones inside the pot pull them back down right exactly so whatever that whatever that metaphor is everybody knows it that's exactly what i caution you about but yes you do need to find the right people out there that you can and have these conversations with people who, who are further down a road that you want to travel and who have achieved some success. And those are the people who can really help you process and, and work through this. But anyway, I do want to share that, you know, so I came home and I, I would do this. I had um, one of the things that I decided to do after so much feedback from these people is in December 2006, one year after I started this as a hobby, I created a website and a podcast called podcastanswerman.com. And so I decided I was going to start answering people's questions about podcasting. I had already had a lot of people during the first year say, Cliff, can you teach me how to do do what you're doing? I was already teaching people for free. 
I'd get on calls. I would. I just loved it. I just wanted to help people, and so I, I would help them. And I had some people say, "You should charge people or for this." You, I I would have paid you for this, and I've had people force me to take their money because <laughs> I was teaching them. And so I created a podcast answer man, and I said, "Guys." In my very first episode, I said, listen, I, 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 I'm creating this podcast not because I have all the answers, but, man, I love podcasting. And if you have a question, I'm going to find the answer to it. That's what this is going to be. It's going to be a resource for anybody who wants to create an audio podcast. I'm going to be here to help. My ultimate dream, and, and I, I even said it this way. I know this is probably crazy or whatever. It might never happen. But my, my ultimate dream or goal would be that within five to ten years, I could do this as a career. That, that would be awesome. Now, again, when I said those words in that first episode, I really didn't believe them. You know, I, I just said them. It was just something that there was something deep inside of me that, that kept wanting to tell people that this was my hope and dream, although I knew that I was doomed to a life of insurance forever. So, um, but the, what happened was people started hi- wanting to hire me, and I actually started getting income coming in. And so, over the course of the next several months, you know, I'm bringing in a thousand to three thousand to four thousand dollars a month, and my wife is seeing this. I'm having more conversations with people, and and I'm telling my wife. And actually, nine months into 2006 or 2007, nine months. So basically, nine months after I launched Podcast Answer Man, I came home from a really terrible, awful day at the office, and my wife. Now, by the way, my by this time. Uh, we're in, in September 2007. By this time, my wife and I are podcasting together. We've been doing it for a year and nine months, and we're already producing about, I think, five different podcasts at the time. Wow. We're in this together. Um, I'm doing a couple solo hosted shows, but she's my co host on more than one show. And we are having a powerful and positive impact in people's lives together. It's not just Cliff Ravenscraft. So yeah. it's important to note that. Which, right, it was a team. And that, well, that goes back to quality of life and creating the life you want by design, which is not just about the money. You obviously enjoy spending time with your, with your wife. And so what you're really talking about now, Cliff, is the, is the leap and how you made that full transition. And so for people listening, you, because they say, well, how did you do it? Did you, you know, have a bunch of money in the bank and you just quit your job? So you had a little bit of overlap, it sounds like, right? Because you had the three kids, you had the mortgage. um, So you didn't just quit your job and and hope the money would roll in the, the first month, right? Can you share a little bit about what that, yes. that leap piece, that transition looked like. So, so here's the deal. I came home from – it's important to know for my story, at least it was a part of my experience, is that uh, in March of 2007, my wife and I did finally become 100% debt-free minus our mortgage. Um, that is something that, that we had going for us. We had outside of our mortgage, we had no other expenses that were a cost to anything. So that, that's the only thing that we had, which was awesome. Now, um, I had this terrible day at the office, very high anxiety, high stress. My, I, I come home, and that day, my wife says to me, you have to go in and tell your dad that you're leaving the, the insurance business. You have to quit. That, it was my wife's decision. It was my wife's idea for wow. me to quit. She says, you've been doing this podcast consulting stuff on the side. You're, you're working for you're working the more minimum of 40 hours a week. You've already told me how you're spending half your day at the office not really working and how guilty you feel about that anyway. Um, just imagine if you spent, if you can make this much money doing the consulting side of things, 
you know, with 40 hours a week, just imagine if you could devote all of your time, you know, to this and grow this business. I, 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 we both know that this is what God's calling you to do. You're, I, when it comes to you spending the days at the office, it's getting so stressful there. I need my husband back. The kids need their dad back. This is just not working. You need to quit tomorrow. If I need to go out and get a job, I will go and get a job. To sell this house and rent for somewhere, that's what we'll do. No matter what, we know that this is what God's calling you to do. You find, just make the decision already. That wow. was that's Talk what about surrounding yourself with the right person. I mean, some people would be looking at her going, is this a test? <laughs> is this a quiz? <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing, I want to I share with you something, and I am going to find this. It is, if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash 462. Again, this is podcastanswerman.com slash 462. The title of that episode is called The Decision to Start My Own Business. And my wife and I, as soon as we had that conversation, we, I, I said, you're absolutely right. And I said, Do you, can we record a podcast episode about this? In and that be- moment. In the moment. So the actual conversation that my wife and I had, the entire conversation is documented. And, it, and, and we published it back in September of 2000, on September 26, 2007. But I republished it just recently this year. So podcastanswerman.com slash 462, you can actually hear the conversation that my wife and I had. And my wife, you can hear her absolute utter confidence. And you can hear all of my anxiety and all of my fear. I was not the guy who was all all excited about this idea. And sometimes it takes, you know, and that's about choosing the right right people around you. And so, Cliff, I mean, for people who are listening going, wow, and, you know, they get that there was some fear, but they're seeing ah, that sounds, you know, he had a lot of his debt paid off. I mean, as you, a leap isn't just a, a one time, it's not just the decision, but it's what happens after that. There's a little bit of transition. I mean, did, did the fear go on for a while? Were there scary times well, in terms of money? I mean, just, you know, give us the, give us the real deal for people who are listening, considering sure. making a leap. I mean... So I, I worked for my, my mom and dad, and so I went into the next day, and, and if you listen to that, if anybody goes back and listens to that, they will know that I was totally afraid of what my dad was going to say. I was, I was sure he was going to talk me out of it and that he was going to shame me and all this other stuff. So I went in the next day, and I told him, I said, I'm putting in my 90-day notice, and I, I, I will keep people from having the suspense and tell you that my, I went in the next day, and my dad says, Cliff... I have been waiting for months for you to come in and tell me you, you were ready to quit. Wow. He says, he says I, I, you have to go do this. He goes, first and foremost, I want to let you know, you can always come back here. You, for as long as I own this agency, you, you will always have a place here if you want to come back. He goes, but, and he says, and you have, and he goes, at this point, I'm going to tell you, you have to do this. You can't not do this. Because I can tell you right now, if you do not go do this, even if you go do this and you fail, at least you won't have to ever worry about what if. What if I would have done that? And he gets, so, so you have to do it for that reason. And, and the thing is, is number one, I don't think you're going to fail. And he says, I know you. I've, I, ever since you were a kid, I know where your passions are. I know where your strengths and your skills are. I know where your passion is. And I'm telling you right now, the path that you're getting ready to go down is the right path for you. He goes, I do not believe that there is a possibility for you to fail. In fact, I'm convinced. He says, you know how much money you can make in this business right here. If, if, you, if down the road, when I retire, you own this agency, you know how much money you'll be able to make here, right? 
And I said, absolutely. He says, I can almost guarantee you that you'll end up making a whole lot more money going down the road. You're getting ready to go down. Ultimately, down the road, maybe not up front, but down the road, you'll make more money doing what you're about ready to do than you could ever dream of making an insurance. Do you remember what that moment felt like? I was blown away. Hey, I, I was a little bit upset, to be honest with you. I was hoping that he was going to talk me out of it. Uh, but no, it, 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 was, it was a huge confidence builder. And so for, I felt like the king of the earth for a couple days. And the thing is, though, is I gave a 90-day notice. So for 90 days, I had 90 days to be, have this transition of, of all of the stuff. And then you know, the, I will tell you this. It was an up-and-down roller coaster emotion. I'm all for it. I can't wait. Why don't I just stop today? I, I just need to get this, the, 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 this change ball and chain of insurance career off my shoulders and, and I want I just want to go and do it. And then the other times I'm like, what on earth am I doing? I have no clue. Right, and 90 and days I, and I'll have no guaranteed paycheck, you know. I went, I, went in, I went into my dad and I said, dad, you know, this is like three weeks before I'm getting ready to, to my, you know, before January 1st, 2008. And uh, so about three weeks before I like, hey, dad, I, you know, I've been talking with some friends Somebody suggested that maybe I work here three days a week and then, uh, you know, I work here Monday, Wednesday and Friday and then I could have Tuesday and Thursday off and then Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday and Sunday I can work on building this business and kind of transition and have a little bit of a buffer while I'm going. And my dad said, absolutely not. He goes, Cliff, you got one of two options. Either you decide you want to work here and that's fine. If you decide that you're going to turn your back on this, then that's then that's what you've got. But you ha- if you decide you want to stay here, you have to cease all podcasting. You can't do any of it. I will not let you work here and do the podcasting. It's too much of a distraction for you. Wow. But, that was probably the best ultimatum somebody yeah, gave oh, you. He, 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 he says, or you need to completely leave this business behind. No, no nothing. This business can't be here to, to buffer you. You have to choose. You have to draw a line in the sand and you have to go for it. And, and, and I'm, like, I'm like, okay, do I get a loan somewhere? Do I take investors? I mean, what do I do? I, I, so, yeah, we were debt free, but I had, we didn't have a huge amount of savings or anything like that. We did, it's just like, whoa, what, what's going on here? Uh, so January 1st, 2008 came around. Uh, I am now a, a solopreneur. I'm a business owner. And I have no experience running a business, and I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, my pricing—I had no idea. I, I'd only been an employee, so I'm charging fifty bucks an hour for consulting one-on-one for an hour of my time. And people wouldn't even hire me at fifty bucks an hour because a lot of people who wanted to hire me—they knew my story up to that point. They're hearing me, right? They—they they know I'm trying to make a go of this. And I, I'm convinced that many people wouldn't hire me at fifty bucks an hour because they knew that fifty bucks an hour isn't enough to support a family. And they didn't want to encourage anybody who would only charge 50 bucks an hour. It's like, listen, go get your insurance job back. I'm not hiring you at 50 bucks an hour. And the people who didn't know me, when they heard my consulting rate was 50 bucks an hour, they felt like this guy must not be very confident in what he has to offer because he only charges 50 bucks an hour. So I want to work with somebody a little bit more professional. That's a so great I didn't know piece about of advice. Pricing. That's a great, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a fine line. You're, you're thinking I have to get business, so I don't want to charge too much. I, I need income, but, but you can, you know, have the opposite effect. So, so what, well, so what, ha- so what happened? <laughs> here, here's, here's what I want to tell you, but I, I, I want to say this. I, I, I'm 
I'm going to share with you what the outcome of the first year of income was, and then I'm going to tell you how we got by that year. So the first thing I'll tell you is at the end of the first year, so it was uh, January 2009, I went to my CPA, and he says, congratulations, Cliff. This is unbelievable. You just had a profitable year in your first year of businesses, in first year of business. Most businesses are not profitable until their second or third year. This is incredible. And I'm like, oh, great. That's wonderful. And the reason why I wasn't more excited, I mean, I was excited. But the thing is, is the business paid for all of its overhead, which means it paid for my CPA and, and stuff like that. It paid for all of the business equipment. It paid for all the internet expenses, all the overhead, all the software I needed, all of the, it even paid for health insurance for myself as an employee and my family. So the business paid, was profitable enough. I made enough money by doing all this work to to pay the overhead but i did not draw a pay- paycheck for the first 9 months of the year and i by the end of the, by the la- the last 3 months of the the 2008 my net income personal net income was $11,000 so a significant drop in income for me and now for the first 9 months i worked 7 days a week without taking a day off and i worked about 12 to 14 hours a day did not draw a personal paycheck for the first nine months. So how did we live? So here's, what, here's how we made it. Um, I, for, let's see here. In January of 2008, we lived off of my Christmas bonus, my final Christmas bonus, which I think was like $1,500. Um, the second, let's see here. It was um, Jan, let's see, uh, February, March, and April. We lived off of our tax refund wow. from the last, from the year before. So you're just and piecing then it had, together, but it's coming, but it's but it's working. Yeah, it's just, we're just barely scraping by. And then the the next three months, we're like, what do we do? Um, the only the you know people are like, go get a loan, go get you know a business loan, go get this whatever you do, don't touch your pension. And I'm like, well, you know, I I don't believe in debt, so I am not going to go into debt. So I actually did the most irresponsible thing as le- as far as everyone told me. And so this was, I think, right around June of 2008. I went into my um, financial advisor and I said, how much money do I have in my pension? He says, you have about $180,000. And I said, well, I need $10,000. And that's how it was. And we lived for the next three months off of $10,000. That's how we lived. Did you um, at any point, Cliff, say to yourself, wow, I really, I, I have to go back to insurance? Like, did you ever... What? There, there were, there were several times. So basically, my wife and I got to the place where we were only paying ourselves once a month, or only doing it once a month. And every single month, one of the two of us was in tears. I was either in tears, thinking, "Oh my gosh, what have I done?" And my wife's like, "No, you look at what you've done. <laughs> Seriously, you've got to see what you've accomplished. We're moving in the right direction. I know it doesn't seem like it, but we're moving in the right direction." And then the very next month, it might might be her that's breaking down in tears and I'm the one who can't write a paycheck and, and she's the one who's discouraged and I'm like but look I can't you don't see this but you don't have any idea this is what's coming in over the next three weeks things are moving in the right direction and one of neither there was never a time where both of us were down at the same time but it was still an emotional roller coaster that entire year and there were many times when I'm like do I need to go and get a job delivering pizzas and I could tell you all kinds of stories about how I was able to avoid all of those different things but the long story short is that 2008 was the most difficult year financially our my wife and I have ever experienced including the first years of our marriage but when we were in tens of thousands of dollars in unsecured debt in the early parts of our marriage 
our finances, financial issues were a huge stumbling block for us. It really uh, was a stressor in our marriage. But in 2008, our marriage had never been stronger. In spite of the, fin- the being the most difficult financial year of our lives, we had never had a stronger marriage. There was never a time where we were more on the same page. There was never a time where we were more certain, absolutely certain, that ultimately things were going to work out financially, that this was just a season of life. And, and so, and the purpose, and to- was, would you say that the, it was the purpose, the underlying purpose held you, held you guys together? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure not, there's nothing you can't go through in the future that will, that will, you know, that will break you down. But it's all, like, what kept your faith? Was it that you were having so much fun? Was it that you it, just it you was, felt like it was right? You, again, going back to that listening, you just knew at some level of depth that we just have to keep going. Well, here's, here's the, the reason what kept us going is absolutely everything you just mentioned. The fact was that, hey, we're bringing in four to $6,000 a month every single month, and that is slowly increasing. So we, it's, but the keyword being slowly, but it is increasing. And so we see, and, and the thing is, is I have no idea what a business, what it takes to run a business. I am learning everything from scratch. I don't, I'm spending hours of my day not doing what it is I know I'm ultimately going to get paid to do. I'm literally, there was, I probably spent three weeks trying to understand federal taxes and, and, and matching these things. And I, I had a pay, now I had a CPA that took care of all that for me. He, he was going to do all the payroll. He was doing all the federal with you know withholding and the 941 and all he would, but the reality is is I needed to at least understand what was happening I needed to I needed to know what the understanding of how business taxes work because I I was one of my biggest fears was I didn't want to you know get 5 years into my business and then all of a sudden have the IRS do a, an audit and they said dude your CPA is screwed up. You owe us, you know, $225,000. Exactly. So it's almost like the I ignorance is good. I think sometimes it's good that you didn't even know all that running a business encompasses. You were just so driven by the passion and the purpose and what you truly loved, which was getting behind the mic. It's almost yeah. better that you didn't know all of those other things because, you know, you, that could have been another roadblock. So it's just sometimes, um, having a little bit of ignorance, you know, of not knowing the whole picture. I, I mean, and, and just trusting that you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. And I was surrounded by so many people who encouraged us along the way, people who had figured this out, people who've been doing this for a long time and encouraging us. And I had the right people surrounding me and I turned to them consistently. And literally there were times when I was a basket case that I would not tell my wife some of the fears that I had. And I would go to somebody else who had experienced those fears in the early days of their business, and they were able to talk me off the ledge and say, dude, don't go out and get a job delivering pizza. Go this instead. And yeah, that's how it worked. And so, Cliff, for people who don't know all of what you're, what you're doing now, I mean, let's talk for, for a minute about the land. I mean, so you have obviously landed, and you're just taking off. I mean, you worked through those, those issues. And I mean, where... Where are you now? And let me just let me ask you this question. I mean, is is the grass greener? You know, so you left the insurance business. You followed your listening to your voice. You went through some difficult years. I mean, is the grass greener? Was it worth it? Yes, absolutely. You could not pay you not pay me one point five million dollars a year to even touch an, an insurance application. I will I will never fill out an insurance application again in my life. 
I will never answer a phone from an angry client who does not want to have me as their person providing a service. I, I want to choose my clients. I want to choose who I work with. I, I, I want to work with people who are positive minded. I, I get to choose who I work with. I get to choose the, the hours that I work in the day. I get to choose to take an entire month off and go to Europe with my family for two, you know, to tour four different countries. I get to travel around the world whenever I desire. I, I, absolutely. It is definitely grand greener on the other side. The past eight years, I've built a business where I'm still the only employee. I do have a virtual assistant that works for me. She lives in Moberly, Missouri. Uh, she handles a lot of um, customer service related stuff for me. But outside of that, my business generates over a half million dollars a year and I'm the only employee. It, that, that's it. And I and you're would doing actually it from your house. You don't. You're not. You don't have huge yeah, I'm, overhead. I, I, you're not I, paying. You know. Yeah, I have very little overhead. Of course, my overhead when I first started this business, I thought my overhead was crazy. I'll never forget the first the, the first time I thought that I should probably go back and get a job. Get go back and work in the insurance office again was the time I actually discovered the uh, the actual cost of a replacement toner cartridge for my laser printer. One hundred sixty-seven dollars. But in eight and, years, you went from you know tears and fears and piecing things together yep. to making over a half a million dollars that you're I mean, you know you're keeping much more. I mean, so it's actually you know more than if you had a job. And you're I mean, just listening to you, the the tone of your voice when you describe your life that you have designed and what you actually get to spend your time doing every day. I mean, that's. I'm blown away. If you had stayed, you know, if you picture yourself, if you had stayed in that insurance business, never out loud said what your dream is and just kept trudging along, when you look at that person and you compare it to who you see today, I mean, what, like, what thought comes to mind when you think, wow, I could have been over there, but I chose this path? Well, the thing is, again, I I don't. I don't think I would have ever committed suicide. I don't think that's a possibility for me personally. But I do know that I probably I, there there's a very high likelihood that I would have actually died of a heart attack by by this point. Like I, I don't think I could have lasted eight more years as an insurance agent. I that that job was just such an a mismatch for who I am and my personality that I I just don't think I would have lived that that through it. It sounds all. like for sure your soul would have died. You know, I, that that is for sure. But what I can tell you now is, is that I'm a completely different person. Now, I, I could make a whole lot more money to, you know, in, in the past year and a half than I did. I actually took eight or I actually worked four months last year, 2015. I only worked four months and my business still generated the same amount of income. Uh, and I learned all about the 80-20 rule, you know, 80% of the, or 20% of the things produce 80% of your income. And so I decided, hey, I'm going to cut out the, you know, 80% of the things that are producing not so many results. And I cut out so many streams of income. But I, last year, I decided to take my health and physical fitness to a whole new level. And I literally spent all the time and effort and energy that I used to put into my work uh, in 2015. I put all that into my health and fitness and I dropped 100 pounds. Uh, in 2015 and put on 26 and a half pounds of muscle. And today I am literally, I've gone from being a workaholic to now I am a workoutaholic. I work out 10 times a week, five cardio sessions, five heavy, high intensity strength training sessions. And I'm a completely different person physically. I never would have been able to do that in the insurance world. I mean, what is that? 
you've done a whole, I mean, you, again, you've come full circle to the person, I think, of that eight or nine-year-old kid on the CB, and come back to that, and I'm just listening to you, you're just like budding with, with the light. I mean, losing the weight, becoming who you already were, I mean, what what is your what is your own takeaway from your personal journey and story my my takeaway is that i am today more more of the person i was actually created to be whether people out there believe in god or the universe or whatever i believe in god and i am i believe that i was created i was put on this earth for a purpose and today i am lit, i am more of the person i was created to be and and let me just be quite frank and quite honest I do not believe I'm anywhere near the person that I am ultimately created to be. And I'm working towards it. I am getting better every single day, becoming more and more every single day, more and more of who God has created me to be. And I can tell you this. The interesting thing, Gwen, is that if you would have told me, if you would have told me that I would have the life that I'm living today, if, if, if you would have told me that I would have the income that I have today. If you would have told me that I have the dream house that my wife and I built two years ago, if you would have told me we had that today, if you would have told me that my wife had this dream for a, a, a $38,000 car that we would pay cash, if you would have told me that was a possibility, if you would have told me we could go to Europe with our family for that, t- if you would have told me all of those things, but at the same time, if you would have told me all the things that I was responsible for, to make all of those things happen and all the things that I would have to learn over the eight years to make all of these things a possibility. If I would have had a glimpse of what my life like was like today, 10 years ago, I guarantee you it would have scared me to death and I would have stayed in insurance. So even though the, there's all this good stuff, the, the, the w- road to get here would have maybe seemed overwhelming. If I, if I would have known what my responsibilities are today, I, here's what I can tell you. I was eight years ago. I was not the person who could handle what I have today and what I manage today. But today I manage it and I manage it well because it was a progression over daily growth, personal development of eight years of becoming more and more of the person who I am today that has allowed me to actually become the person who can manage the kind of income that I have today, who can manage the business responsibilities that come today and who can say, oh, well, that's inconvenient rather than, oh, my gosh, that's a total mess. Everything's falling apart. Well, and no, the beautiful the, thing it, is, and a lot of people stop themselves. The beautiful thing is you didn't need to know everything that you know today, that it no. is, like you said, a process. So people shouldn't shouldn't be afraid to get started. You know, we, we started earlier with just kind of get started and move, listen to that voice. Where is it pushing you? Move in that direction. But, you know, because th- thankfully we don't know all that we're going to have to learn when we get started. But you, but you, you exactly. figured it out if it's the right thing, take, right? Yeah, and take it one day at a time. And, and don't, whatever you do, don't wait until you have all the answers before you take the first step. It's ridiculous. You'll never have all the answers. You just need to step out in faith and go forward and pursue the dream, pursue what's in your heart, and and trust that the resources will be made available to you. I, that is excellent, excellent advice, Cliff. I mean, that really, that really, I think, sums it up in terms of, you know, it's all about we're all striving to become the people that we already are, the people that we're intended to be. 
And I so appreciate the time and the insight that you've shared this morning. Um, you know, if people want to learn more about you, if they don't already know, where, where should we send them? Where can they learn more about Cliff Ravenscraft? Well, I will tell you that uh, I would encourage you to go to podcastanswerman.com. Um, the podcast originally started out, it was called Podcast Answer Man. Today it is called The Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And every single week I'm sharing what I'm doing in my business, what I'm learning, what I'm experiencing, and how and messages about how I can help people take their message, their business, and their life to the next level. You can find it at podcastanswerman.com or if you just search for Cliff Ravenscraft and The Cliff Ravenscraft Show in any of your favorite podcast directories, you'll find me there. All right, Cliff. Well, I know many people will be going to check that out, and uh, I'm definitely going to listen to your show about you and your wife that first day live as you recorded that. And thank you so much for your inspiration. I've truly, truly enjoyed talking with you today and, and learning so much about your personal journey to becoming who you really are. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gwen. It's been an honor. Well, everybody, thank you for joining me again for another episode of this podcast. I'm Dr. Gwen Shietta, and until next time, I hope you are inspired and have the courage to live life on your terms. <laughs>